0: Last week we left off talking about the story of the Quraysh and how they re controlled or regained control of Mecca and how from the lineage of Husay ibn Kilab came the grandfather of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam whose name was actually Shaybah but he became well known as Abdul Muttalib and Abdul Muttalib is the name that stuck with him. So he came back into Mecca when he reached the age of adolescence and eventually the responsibilities of taking care of the Hujjaj in terms of providing them with drink, it came to Abdul Muttalib. Because Abdul Muttalib was from the lineage of Abd Manaf. And Abd Manaf was the son of Qusay ibn Kilab, who was given the responsibility of providing drink for the Hujjaj, providing providing water for the Hujjaj. And it went on to the sons of Abd Manaf and then to their sons. And it went eventually to Abdul Muttalib, who was the grandfather of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now, Abdul Muttalib, his first son was named Al-Harith. This was the first son of Abdul Muttalib. Later on, he had many more sons. He had a total of 10 sons. But his firstborn son was Al-Harith. Now, when Al-Harith grew to an age of adolescence, when he became a strong young man, Abdul Muttalib saw a dream. He saw a dream and in this dream a voice came to him in the dream and said to him Uhfor tibah. Uhfor tibah. and then Abdul Muttalib asked Wa ma tibah? what is tiba and there was no answer and the voice went away so Abdul Muttalib thought about this dream and he wondered what it meant the next night the voice came to him again in his dream. And this time, the voice said to him, Uhfur barra. Uhfur barra. And then Abdul Muttalib asked the voice, Wa al-Barra, barra? What is barra? And there was no answer from the voice, and the voice went away. The third night, again he had a dream. A voice saying to him, Uhfur al-madnoonah. And then Abdul Muttalib asked the voice, "Wamal Madnuna? What is the Madnuna?" And there was no answer from the voice, and the voice went away. So this went on for three nights. The fourth night, the fourth night, he had a dream again with the voice saying to him, "Uhfur Zamzam, Uhfur Zamzam." And then Abdul Muttalib asked, "Wama Zamzam? What is Zamzam?" And then the voice said to him in the dream. So they explained, the voice explained to Abdul Muttalib where he could find the Zamzam with this, with these few lines. So Abdul Muttalib remembered the words that he heard in this dream. Now, the caller in the dream didn't tell him the exact location where the zamzam was, but some signs were given. Some signs were given. And those signs were three signs. وَهِيَ wa dam. The zamzam, you will find it between rafth and add-dam. rafth is used to describe the intestines of an animal. The intestines of an animal is called a rafth. And adam is blood. So, this is the first clue that was given to Abdul Muttalib in the dream about the location of Zamzam. It is between the intestines of the animal and the blood. Okay, you might think this is strange. Where are you going to find intestines of an animal and blood? You know, in Mecca near the Kaaba. So, that was the first sign. The second sign was. Inda in the place where Al Ghurab Al A'sam, and Al Ghurab Al A'sam is a crow, and you know what color is a crow? A crow is black. So Al Ghurab, it means a crow, and a crow is known to be black. But Al Ghurab Al A'sam, this is what the Arabs used to call a crow, that was black, but it had a white feather in the wing. A crow is usually completely black. But if you find a crow that's all black, but there's one white feather in the wing, this is what the Arabs used to call al-ghurab al asam The crow with a white feather in the wing. So this is the second clue. Where the crow with the white feather in its wing pecks. In the naqrat al-ghurab al-a'asam. So it is between the intestines of the animal and the blood. It is in a place where the crow with whiteness in its wing pecks at the النمل, at the ant colony where the ants have made a village or where the ants have made a colony so these were the three signs that were given to Abdul Muttalib in the dream as where to find zamzam now Abdul Muttalib and the people who lived in his time they had never seen zamzam before but they knew what zamzam was because they knew the story of zamzam they knew that their forefathers had settled in Makkah because of Zamzam. And they knew that when the tribe of Khuzaa overtook the tribe of Jurhum in Makkah, before Jurhum was overtaken, they buried that well of Zamzam so that Khuzaa could not benefit from it. So they knew about this story. They knew that Zamzam existed and they knew the story of Zamzam and they knew the story of why the well of Zamzam was buried by their forefathers. But why didn't they go around looking for it even though they knew it existed why didn't they go around looking for it because they didn't know where to look for it they knew it was there somewhere in Mecca, but you think they're going to go digging around all of Mecca looking for that well of Zamzam? no of course they can't do that but now abdul Muttalib in this dream the location was narrowed down to him by these three clues so he thought okay maybe i have a chance maybe i can actually narrow it down and i can finally find The well of Zamzam again, and what a great honor that would be. What a great honor that would be. So he decided to try to follow the clues that he saw in this dream. (coughs) And he took his son with him, Al Harith. And Al Harith was the only one of his sons at that time who had reached an age of strength. He was a young man and he could actually help his father out. As for the other children, they were still little. You know, he didn't have anyone else who could really go with him and work with him. So he took his son, Al Harith. And he went there to the Kaaba. And he was thinking about the first sign. It is between the intestines of the animal and the blood. So he was thinking, where am I going to find this? And at that point, somebody or a group of people had come to the Kaaba. And we know that at this time, the Kaaba had idols inside it. The Kaaba had idols around it. And two of those idols that were near the Kaaba were Isaf and Nailah. And we spoke about them in a previous lesson. Isaf and Nailah, they were those two people, the boy and the girl who had come from Yemen. And they were doing immoral actions in the, in the haram itself. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused them to turn into stone. And when Amr ibn Luhay brought idol worship back into the Arabian Peninsula, he took these two stones of Uh, Isaf and Nailah and put them in front of the Kaaba. So people would go there and they would actually offer sacrifices there and they would worship those stones. So this continued until the time of Abdul Muttalib. It was still going on. People were still worshipping the idols. So when Abdul Muttalib came with his son to start his search for the lost well of Zamzam, a group of people came to the idol of Isaf with a cow. And they were going to sacrifice that cow to Isaf, to the idol. They were going to slaughter that cow as a sacrifice to this idol so they started sacrificing the cow they started cutting it slaughtering it so they cut the neck and the blood started pouring out of the neck so the blood was all over the ground there but the cow it was a bit strong so it was able to get loose even though it was bleeding and it was hurt it was able to get loose and it jumped up and it started running with blood dripping all from it but of course you know it was weakened because of the blood loss so eventually a little bit as it ran you know maybe for some time then it fell down again and then they caught it again and they were able to overpower it and they completed cutting it and they cut open the stomach as well and the intestines fell out the intestines of that cow fell out onto the ground and Abdul Muttalib he saw all of this happen so he saw the blood come out in the first place and then the cow ran And they completed the slaughter and they cut open the stomach and the intestines fell out so he said this is the first clue it is between the intestines and the blood so he saw the location where the blood started to come out and he saw the location where the intestines came out so he said okay that narrows it down somewhat it's between this place and this place but that place was still pretty big it's not like it was a very precise location he could go start digging now. No, that was still a pretty big area. Not as big as the whole Mecca, of course. So it was narrowed down definitely. But still not narrow enough for him to actually start his work in digging. So he started looking around that narrowed down area now for the other two clues. عند نقرة الغراب الأعصم عند قرية النمل where the crow with the whiteness in its wing is pecking and where the ant colony is. So he looked around and he found an ant colony in that area. He did find an ant colony. But of course the ant colony, it wasn't very small either. It was a pretty big ant colony. And it wasn't enough for him to actually start digging. It narrowed it down much more, yes, but still not enough for him to start digging. And then a crow came down. A crow came down and he noticed that this crow actually had whiteness. One of the feathers of the wing was white. So he said, this is al qurab al asab And it came down near the ant colony and it started pecking the ground. So he said, this is it. This is as narrow as it can get. The crow is in one location and it is actually pecking there. That is where I need to dig. That's where I'm going to find the well of Zamzam. So he knew that these three clues had led him to the exact location so he started to dig and remember this is all a big public place right in front of the Kaaba so it's not like he can do it secretly without anybody seeing everybody can see exactly what he's doing going and digging near the Kaaba so when the Quraysh the other members of the Quraysh they saw Abdul Muttalib here at the Kaaba digging they were Surprise. What are you doing? How can you dig here at the Kaaba? This is not appropriate. They wanted to stop him. <coughs> they wanted to stop him. So he said to his son, Abdul Muttalib said to Al-Harith, his son, you know, go to them and, and distract them so that they, they don't stop my work. Go and argue with them so that I can continue digging. Don't let them stop me. So Al-Harith, he went to distract them. And they started arguing with Al-Harith and it was going back and forth while Abdul Muttalib was busy digging because he knew this is the exact location. When he dug for a while, finally he hit a stone. He hit a stone and it wasn't just any stone. It was the type of stone that the people would put around the wells. You know, when people would dig a well to mark off that location, they would put stones around it. So as he was digging, he finally hit Stone And the stone was that type of stone that is used to go around a well. So he knew that he was near. So when he hit that stone, and when he found that stone, he knew what it was. He knew that Zamzam was near. And he said, Allahu Akbar. And the people of the Quraysh who were arguing with the son of Abdul Muttalib, who were still arguing with Harith about what his father was doing, they heard Abdul Muttalib say, Allahu Akbar. (coughs) And they knew that... He's not just saying Allahu Akbar for no reason, he must have found something. So they went to him and they asked him, what happened? What are you looking for? What did you find? He said, I'm looking for Zamzam and it's here. And he kept digging and now they were quiet because they knew, okay, this is really something. He's not just doing this for no reason. They let him continue and he continued until he actually found the water and the water came forward. So the Zamzam well was rediscovered by Abdul Muttalib after so many centuries and the water came out. And they all knew the story of Zamzam. So when they saw it come out with their own eyes, they were so happy. And they said to Abdul Muttalib, we are going to share it with you. We are your partners in this. And then he said, what do you mean? You're my partners. I found it. And this is the responsibility of my family to provide water for the Hujjaj this you have no part in this and you didn't even want me to dig here and now that I found it now you want to be my partners no this is not happening and then they said to him how can you say this is not happening this is zamzam you know this is from the time of Ismail alayhi salam this is the biggest honor that we can have how can you take this away from us (coughs) you have no right to have this all for yourself this is the honor for all of us and Abdul Muttalib said no way I'm not sharing it with you so They were almost going to fight and you know how we spoke many times about how the arabs over honor they used to fight and they were ready to die for honor so they wanted to fight about this they were almost getting ready to fight about this as well but finally before the fighting started they agreed to go to a fortune teller to ask for her advice about what they should do or how they should settle this argument and there was a very famous fortune teller in Yathrib in Yathrib now it is known as al Medina Al-Munawwarah but at that time it was known as Yathrib and there was a very famous fortune teller there she was known as Kahina Bani Saad the fortune teller of Banu Saad so they said we will go to her we will go all the way to Medina and we will ask her what we should do about this argument that we're having does Abdul Muttalib get to have it all for himself and his family or should the whole Quraysh share with this honor of the well of Zamzam so they agreed. So they went from Mecca to Medina to consult with Kahina Bani Saad, to consult with the fortune teller of Banu Saad. But when they arrived in Medina she wasn't there. She was actually on a trip herself. She had traveled to Khaybar. She wasn't in Medina. She had traveled to Khaybar. So they said okay we will follow her. We will go to Khaybar as well and we'll meet her there. So on the way to Khaybar from Medina to Khaybar they ran out of water. Abdul Muttalib and his camp, they completely ran out of water. As for the other people of the Quraysh, they had some water left, but it was very little. It was not much. But Abdul Muttalib and his people, they had nothing. It was gone. So Abdul Muttalib and his camp, they asked those other members of the Quraysh to give them some of their water. And they said, no, we can't give you any water. Because we want to live, you know. If we give you our water, we hardly have any for ourselves. So if we share it with you, we're all going to die. So no, we can't share it with you. So Abdul Muttalib's camp, (coughs) they have no water. And the other people of the Quraysh, they're not willing to share their water with them. So they consult Abdul Muttalib. What should we do? We don't have any water, you know. And they're not sharing their water with us, so what should we do? So Abdul Muttalib said, look, it looks like there's no solution to this. It looks like we're all going to die here in the middle of this desert. Without water, there's no way that we can survive. So to keep some of our honor intact, what we should do is we should all start digging our own graves right now. We will all dig our own graves. And when one of us dies, the other ones will bury him. So that at the end, at least most of our bodies, we will be buried. And only the last one who lives, he will remain unburied that's better than all of these bodies just lying around unburied so to keep as much of our honor and dignity as we can let us dig our own graves and when the time comes to die the living ones will bury those who have died so they said to him yes Abdul Muttalib, this is a good decision you have made let's do it so they dug their own graves each one of them from Abdul Muttalib's camp not from the other members of the Quraysh because they still had some water left But the other members of the Quraysh were watching. They were just looking. What are they doing? So they saw them digging their own graves. And they were like, wow, what's going on here? So they dug their own graves. And then they just sat and waited. Just waiting to die. Abdul Muttalib and his people. After waiting for some time, Abdul Muttalib says, you know, this is not good. We're just sitting here waiting to die. This is not an honorable thing to do. Just sitting here and not even trying to find a way to survive we have to at least try to do something let's just get up and look around (coughs) maybe we will find some water somewhere rather than just sitting here and waiting for death to come at least let us try and do something so they agreed. yes let's try we'll try to search for something so Abdul Muttalib gets up and he gets his camel up as well so when the camel of Abdul Muttalib gets up and the camel hits its foot on the ground some water starts to come. Right where the foot of the camel of Abdul Muttalib steps, some water comes out of the ground. So Abdul Muttalib sees this and his camp sees this and they start to drink. And Alhamdulillah, they're able to drink enough for their needs. And the water is still coming. They have taken care of their thirst and the water is still coming out. So then Abdul Muttalib says to those other people of the Quraysh who are against him and who refuse to give them water when they need it, he says to them come you drink too because they hardly had any water left as well so he invites them to come and drink from this water as well so they drink from the water and everyone is saved alhamdulillah. <coughs> and then after everybody drinks those people from the Quraysh who wanted to fight abdul Muttalib to share the honor of zamzam with him after drinking this water and witnessing what happened here in the middle of the desert they said to Abdul Muttalib, Wallah, Wallahi he'll let thee ask a ma'af his sahara. Lahu will let thee Zamzam luck. Wallah, a let thee ask a kal ma'af his sahara. Lahu will let thee kazamzam. Zamzam luck. They said to him, We swear by Allah, the one who provided you with water here in the middle of this desert. He is the same one who provided you with Zamzam. Zamzam is yours. Zamzam is yours. We're not going to try to fight with you over it anymore. This is, your, this is your right. And Allah has made it clear for us now that this is for you and for your family, for you and your descendants. So the problem was solved. They didn't even have to go to meet the fortune teller that they were going to meet. It was agreed upon that Abdul Muttalib was the caretaker of Zamzam. And he had all rights to the well of Zamzam. So it remained for Abdul Muttalib and his family. Now when Abdul Muttalib, when this whole thing was happening, and when he was first digging that well of Zamzam and the Quraysh tried to stop him, and he sent his son Al-Harith to distract them and to stop them from coming to prevent him from digging, he thought to himself, look, (coughs) I only have this one son who can help me. Al-Harith, he's my only son that, that can help me against these people. And he felt a weakness because of that. Because the Arabs, they used to consider the more sons you have, the more honor you have. So he felt at this time, you know, I only have one son who is defending me, one son who is taking care of me, you know, one son who will fight with me. This is a weakness. So then he made a vow at that time. When he found the Zamzam and the Zamzam came out, he made a vow that, Ya Allah, if you provide me with ten sons, if you give me ten sons, then I will slaughter and sacrifice one of those sons. If you provide me with ten sons, I will slaughter one of those sons. And the reason why he made this vow (coughs) was because he wanted this honor, and he wanted this power, and he wanted this respect. And the reason why he said he would slaughter and sacrifice and kill one of his sons was to actually show off that respect that he has to the people. Look, I have 10 sons. I have so much power that I can even sacrifice and kill and slaughter one of these sons, and it wouldn't take away from my honor and my respect at all. This was to show the people what honor you have. I can kill one of my sons and still, doesn't make any difference. It was an evil way basically to show their pride ...and to show their honor that they thought they had to the people. So he made this vow that if I get ten sons, I will slaughter, sacrifice one of them. So eventually, over time, he did have ten sons. He had exactly ten sons, actually. (coughs) And those ten sons were Al-Abbas and Hamza. Al-Abbas and Hamza, they were the only two sons of Abdul Muttalib... ...who actually lived to see Islam lived to see the Prophet sallallahu message come and they believed in him Al Abbas and Hamza and then there was there was Abu Talib and Abu Lahab Abu Talib his real name was Abd Manaf and Abu Lahab his real name was Abdul Uzza but they became known by their Kunya Abu Talib and Abu Lahab Abu Talib and Abu Lahab also lived to see the message of rasulullah sallallahu wasallam but they didn't believe in his message and they died upon kufr so these were the only four uncles of the prophet sallallahu wasallam the four sons of abdul Muttalib who actually lived to see the message of the prophet sallallahu wasallam two of them believed and two of them did not believe so al-abbas and hamza they believed in rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Abu Lahab and Abu Talib they didn't believe in Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi and they died upon disbelief the other 6 sons of Abdul Muttalib they did not live to see the message of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and those other 6 sons were Al Harith as we mentioned who was the first and oldest son al zubair Hajl, Al Muqawim Dhirar and the youngest son Abdullah who was the father of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he actually died even before his son Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was born so these were the sons of Abdul Muttalib 10 sons of Abdul Muttalib the youngest one was the father of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib and he was the most beloved son to his father Abdul Muttalib loved Abdullah more than any of his other sons (coughs) So when they all grew up and you know they became strong young men, Abdul Muttalib remembered his vow that if he got 10 sons he would sacrifice, he would slaughter one of them. So he decided it was time to fulfill his vow. He decided it was time to fulfill his vow. So. He went to the Kahin of the Kaaba. There was a fortune teller that used to stay there right at the Kaaba. Look at the situation, how it was. The house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a fortune teller is sitting right there. Alhamdulillah that we have Tawheed and that the Haramain al-Sharifain, Alhamdulillah, are places of Tawheed. But at that time, there was a fortune teller sitting right there at the Kaaba. So Abdul Muttalib, he went to this fortune teller of the Kaaba, and he gave him, arrows and this was one of the ways that the Arabs of Jahiliyyah, how they used to make decisions to do things if they didn't know what type of decision to make they would write the names on arrows and then they would throw those arrows and then they would pick one of the arrows that they had thrown this was their way of making decisions so Abdul Muttalib he took ten arrows and he wrote the name of each one of his sons on those arrows, and he told the kahin, he told the fortune teller of, that was there at the Kaaba, throw these arrows, each one has a name of one of my sons on it, and then select one of the arrows, and whoever name comes out of that arrow, that is the son that I will slaughter, that is the son that I will sacrifice to fulfill the oath that I made. So the fortune teller, he starts doing it. He throws the arrows. And while he is throwing it, Abdul Muttalib is making dua that may it be any of my sons except Abdullah. May it be any of my sons except my most beloved son Abdullah. He really didn't want it to be Abdullah. But when the fortune teller threw those arrows and picked up one of them and opened it, guess whose name was on it? It was Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib. So Abdul Muttalib of course he was saddened at this and this was not the result that he hoped for but he felt that it was necessary for him to fulfill the vow that he took. So he took his son, he took him to Isaf, Isaf that idol that was right there in front of the Kaaba and he put him down and he gets ready to slaughter him, to sacrifice him. And the leaders of the Quraysh, they come and they say to him, Don't do it, Ya Abdul Muttalib. Don't slaughter your son. Don't sacrifice your son. He said, no. I made a vow that I would do it. And I am a man of honor. I don't break my vows. I have to do it. They said, no, no, no. You can't do it. They wanted to stop him from doing it. He said, no, I must do it. He was very firm in his resolve to slaughter his son, to fulfill his vow. And then they said to him, they said, Ya Abdul Muttalib, if you do this, this will become a sunnah of the Arabs. If you do this today, this will become a sunnah of the Arabs. Any one of the Arabs who has 10 sons, they will go and they will kill one of their sons. They will slaughter one of their sons. And what kind of a tradition do you want to start here? If this starts and if everybody starts doing this, this will really destroy our lives. (coughs) He said, no, I made this vow and I am going to do it. So this argument went back and forth for some time. When finally they agreed, they said, okay, We will take a decision from, from guess who? Kahina Bani Sa'ad, from the fortune teller of Bani Sa'ad. The same fortune teller in Yathrib, who they wanted to go to originally when they had the argument about who would get to control Zamzam. So they agreed that, okay, we will go to this Kahina, we'll go to this fortune teller of Bani Sa'ad, and we will accept whatever decision she tells us to do. Look at how their lives, you know, revolved around these type of, Traditions, fortune-telling, soothsaying, all of this type of stuff. So they agreed, okay, we'll go to her, we'll consult her, and we will, we will agree to whatever she says. So they go to Kahina Bani Sa'ad, they go to this fortune-telling woman, and they explain to her the situation. And she says to Abdul Muttalib, what is the diya, what is the blood money for someone who Is killed. If somebody is killed, and the family of that person who is killed wants the blood money, how much is the blood money that you give? They said it is ten camels. It is ten camels. She said, "Okay, ten camels." So you have to do the arrow throwing again. This is what she's telling them. She said, "On one arrow, put the name of Abdullah, and on another arrow, put the dia of ten camels." and throw those two arrows and then pick up one of the arrows if it is the arrow of the 10 camels then sacrifice 10 camels and abdullah is safe but if you get the name of abdullah then you have to repeat this process again throw the two arrows again and if you pick up abdullah again then each time you have to add 10 camels to the previous time so the first time if you pick up abdullah then you have to do it again And you have 10 camels on your account. If the second time you pick Abdullah again, you add 10 more camels to that account. So it becomes 20. And keep doing this until you pick the camels. Until you pick the camels. And whatever the total amount is at that time, sacrifice that many number of camels. So they agree to do this. So they take two arrows. One with the name of Abdullah and the other with 10 camels. So they throw the two arrows and they select one. The first time... Abdullah's name is selected. So that means 10 camels is there on the account. They do it again. Abdullah's name is selected again. So now 20 camels on the account. They do it again. Abdullah's name comes up again. 30 camels on the account. It keeps going and going and going 10 times. So there are 100 camels on the account. And then finally, they do it for the 10th time. And the camels come up so there's a total of 100 camels now and finally Abdullah's name didn't come on the 10th try now it is the arrow with the camels so upon the agreement they would sacrifice 100 camels and Abdullah Ibn Abdul Muttalib is free he is saved but Abdul Muttalib after having it nine times go on his son and then just the last time it went on the camels he still wasn't sure about this he said no I want to try it again just to make sure so they do it for an 11th time and again the camels come up then they do it again and again the camels come up so now he sees okay every time the camels are coming up so this must be the right decision so he agrees to sacrifice 100 camels instead of sacrificing his son Abdullah so Abdullah was saved and that is why the Prophet Muhammad used to call himself, I am the son of two who were going to be sacrificed. And who are those two? They are his great-great-grandfather Ismail alayhi who was almost going to be sacrificed by Ibrahim alayhi and his own father, Abdullah Ibn Abdul Muttalib, who was almost going to be slaughtered as well. So the Prophet said, I am the son of the two who were almost going to be. Slaughtered. So this is how the son of Abdul Muttalib, Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib was saved from being slaughtered and eventually he would marry the mother of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam Aminah bint Wahab and Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would be born from that marriage and inshallah we'll talk more about that next week alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi that aquela